0: The following episode of An Evening at the Movies is brought to you by the I Did Not Make These Rankings Podcast Network, Masturbators, The Sip List, An Evening at the Movies, Crushgasm, and Love is Black all bring you this following episode. Thank you very much and have a nice day. afternoon, good morning, good evening, good, happy Friday the 13th to everybody. Let's just be honest with that because it's Friday the 13th and it's just a day, but at the same time, welcome to everybody's favorite movie-based podcast. This is An Evening at the Movies and I am your amazingly awesome host, Casey, and this is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered-down sodas and discuss all of our favorite movies, but yet why we love them. So joining me today on An Evening at the Movies is um, a first-time guest on the show who actually brought a recommendation for a movie that we're going to discuss today that really intrigued me because it's been something that I've been wanting to do on the show for a while, but it seems like nobody had been willing to recommend. So I'm happy that she recommended it and brought it to the table today. So welcome to the show for the first time ever. Miss Jacqueline Kent, welcome.
1: Hi, Casey. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. It is an honor to have you as well. Um, So, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I kind of sort of teased it a little bit before I introduced you, but, um, we're going to be discussing a amazing movie. We'll get more into the details of that when we get to ultimately giving our review of the movie. But um, we're here to discuss the 2001. I don't even, it's such a great movie. I don't even know if there's a proper adjective to even describe it. <laughs> but I'll just say the title. And it's 2001's Moulin Rouge.
1: Hey! <laughs> I mean,
0: honestly, what can you say about this movie that, well, I'm sure there are people that probably could throw hate and shade mm-hmm. at it because it's not necessarily their type of movie. But, um, yeah, it. It's an awesome movie, and for me, it was probably the second time that I had ever seen Ewan McGregor in a movie in my entire life. I know it's not his first movie that he ever did, or even his second, but my first introduction to Ewan probably would be um, 1999's Star Wars Episode One. I'm a sci-fi nerd, so I'll take the punishment for that one, (laughs) but so, yeah, so really quickly before we get into the movie, just a little bit of stats about the film, Uh, Moulin Rouge debuted in two theaters in the United States on well two cities in the United States on May 18th 2001 and then mass release to the rest of the company on June 1st 2001 it was directed by Baz Luhrmann was released by 20th Century Fox had a budget of $50 million and grossed $179.2 million at the bottom office and as we say on An Evening at the Movies and as well in the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network fuck Rotten Tomatoes but it had a Rotten (laughs) Tomatoes score of 75% so we at the podcast network that I'm not or that I am a part of are not a huge fan of the Rotten Tomatoes because We all love movies and Rotten Tomatoes tends to give most of our favorite movies habitually bad scores. Mm -hmm. So we coined the phrase, well, I'm sure other people have said it too, but that's where the fuck Rotten Tomatoes came from. So, yes. So with all that said, I'm going to... Not necessarily rip the band-aid off but we're going to get right into it and so what about this movie attracted you to its greatness for lack of a better way well
1: yeah interestingly when i chose the film it was actually at my local video store so you know obviously we are going back like 20 odd years um I was like, oh, I hadn't actually heard of it. And I was like, I just, I like the look of that film. And um, personally, there was a time in my life when I was choosing things for me. So I was like, right, I'm going for this. And yeah. I just couldn't take my eyes off it. <laughs> when I put it on, I was, I was absolutely riveted because I'd never seen anything like it. It was, it was epic. It was me, it had like so many of my favorite songs in it. It had such a like romantic storyline. And um, in my own self, I'm I'm a writer, so I kind of resonated with that part of it. But I just loved the creativity and the boldness of it. And when I um, spoke to he was actually just recently become my ex-partner when I watched this film. He said, it's like having a musical spike stuck in your head. <laughs> and I always remember that. Because I can see how
0: some people would say that.
1: Yeah. And and I was just like, how has everyone in the world not watched this film? And then when I started talking to people about it, they were like, oh, no, no, no. I do feel like it's, um, it's a Marmite film. You either love it or you really don't love it. And Fair enough. I understand that, but I don't understand why. (laughs) No,
0: I mean, a lot of my reasoning for falling in love with this movie was, like I said in the opening, it wasn't my first introduction into the amazingness that is Ewan McGregor. And over the last 20-something years since, well almost 22 years since this movie came out but it has opened my eyes to the wonderment that is Mr. Ewan Mm -hmm. because like I said I first as a movie fan met him in May of 99 when the first Star Wars prequel came out and as a huge Star Wars fan, that was, like, excitement, but yet disappointment all wrapped up into one, but he was one of the the few bright spots of that movie for me,
1: hmm.
0: and then Moulin Rouge came out, and not gonna lie, it didn't necessarily jump out at me when I saw, like, the trailers on TV for it, but... Run. I went and saw it in the theater with somebody who I was dating at the time. Yeah. Because it would, yeah, okay. <laughs> and it almost from the time that the movie started grabbed me by the freaking ears and then yeah. slapped me in the face. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like an explosion. It's just, yeah. yeah. It doesn't take, actually describe it. And I think that's exactly what you said at the beginning. There is no word to describe this. There is no word for it. <laughs> it's no, phenomenal.
0: Not, it's just not at all. And that's not a bad thing at all. No, no. I'm, for anybody who's been a part of listening to the show from day one, you will know that I am very, off-centered with my taste in movies. There isn't much I don't particularly particularly like. There are some things, and we won't bring up that movie again because all of the longtime listeners know that I am not a fan of the movie Rubber. But that's another rabbit hole and we're talking about good movies today, not pure <laughs> crap. <laughs> saying, I know Kevin is probably going to listen to this episode and um, will probably throw shade at me for saying that. <laughs> but with that said, um, now, I mean, literally from the, the beginning of the movie, even the music, if you're not a fan of the style of the movie or even the actors in the movie. Musically, there's a lot that almost anybody can wrap their head around and get into because you don't necessarily get epically long portions of great music throughout the movie, but you get little snippets of some of the greatest musical Songs. I mean, I mean, very repetitive repetitively through the introduction to, um, yeah, your introduction into the Moulin Rouge. You get a, again, lack of a better term, slapped in the face a lot with the opening line to Nirvana's "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Yeah. Which yeah. yeah. I grew I grew up and currently live in the same town as Kurt Cobain was born and raised in. Yeah. So Nirvana is a huge, huge mm. part of
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: my young adulthood. Well and late teens as well. But it smells Like Teen Spirit is not anything that I would ever imagine hearing in a movie like this. No. So even just that little snippet that you get in that opening number.
1: Well, you almost think like, you've imagined it okay. as well. Yeah.
0: yeah well, yeah, because even going back and because re- I... Won't lie, it's probably been a while since I've seen it until I started prepping for this episode, but yeah. I had forgotten about that. And it's mm-hmm. like the line comes out in that opening number, and it's like, huh, I'm like, yeah, I vaguely <laughs> remember hearing that in the theater, yeah, and it's like, again not necessarily a very Kurt type production i mean i <laughs> if you wanted to do like a movie based in like grunge rock type environment okay yeah but yeah Mulan rouge is definitely not a typical you're gonna think of kurt cobain when you sit down to watch this movie <laughs> but um, and then it's the
1: way that it blends that with you know other things like um mm-hmm. Your Song by Elton John and yeah. uh Roxanne, but not like you'll ever hear it again. And no, like a virgin by Madonna, sung by Jim Broadbent. What
0: is that about? <laughs> yeah, that one I <laughs> I remembered that one yeah uh, all the years mm. in between mm. viewings of it and it's like the reminder of the smells like teen spirit and then it start, oh wait a minute, I'm remembering where we're going with there's a whole lot of little yeah, you know snippets in there and it's like to me that's incredibly genius.
1: It is genius. I think and it's, yeah.
0: It helps bridge that gap for people who might not necessarily be a fan of this type of cinema. Mm. To help them maybe find a way to grab onto something that they're going to enjoy.
1: That's relatable for them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's very relatable and, and honest to God. Just, wow. I mean, and not anything against Baz Luhrmann per se, but I mean, the guy's a great freaking director, point blank. Yeah.
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: He's incredibly talented and he may not necessarily be in the same pantheon of Steven Spielberg or only- some of the – Yeah. Some of the more blockbuster ish type Mm. actors. But he's
1: got a style that you know like you know when you've seen one of his films though.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I would put Baz probably in the same category as somebody like a Tim Burton, per se.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where you may not okay, you can go into a movie blindly and not knowing who made it. But if it's a Tim Burton movie and you walk in and sit down and the, mm. as soon as the movie starts yeah. you know you're you know you know you're watching a Tim Burton movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah.
0: Generally if Johnny Depp jumps out of nowhere in the first 5 seconds, you go, "Ooh, I bet it's a Tim Burton movie." Credits yeah. right, roll. Directed <laughs> yeah. by Tim Burton. Yeah. Not complaining cuz again, I'm a huge Tim Burton fan, huge Johnny Depp fan. So don't hate me for that either but um no baz definitely has a huge huge style and it's very clearly illustrated in this movie and he does it really well so um the other thing that amazes me is like some of the names that they cast for this movie Mm. Mm. I mean, it may not necessarily be an all-star lineup from top to bottom, like we've seen in other movies kind of sort of recently, but I mean, starring Nicole Kidman, starring Mm. Ewan McGregor, um, Jim Broadbent, um, John Leguizamo, uh, Some of the other secondary people, um, Kylie Minogue.
1: I know. What's that about? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, Ironically, flip it around. The voice of the Green Fairy, played by Kylie Minogue, the voice being Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. (laughs) Again.
1: It's crazy. Like, who would put that together?
0: Not something. I would ever imagine Ozzy Osbourne doing.
1: No, no. He's ge- um, genius.
0: Yeah. So, um, for anybody who's listening at this point who doesn't, hasn't seen the movie, for one, shame on you for that, because this movie <laughs> is an amazing movie that deserves everybody's attention at least once in your life. But... Um, Really quickly, um, I'll run down the plot for everybody. In 1900 in Paris, Christian, a young writer, depressed about the recent death of the woman he loved, begins writing their story on his typewriter. A year earlier, he arrives in Montmartre district of Paris to join the Bohemian movement. He suddenly meets Henri I hate trying to pronounce foreign names, so I'm just going to pass over that. And his troupe of performers who are writing a play called Spectacular Spectacular. After Christian helps them complete the play, they go to the Moulin Rouge, where they hope Christian's talents will impress (coughs) Satine, the star performer and courtesan, who will in turn convince Harold Zidler, the proprietor of the Moulin Rouge, to let Christian write the show. However, Zidler plans to have the the wealthy, powerful, and unscrupulous Duke of Monroth sleep with Satine in exchange for potential financing to convert the club into a theater. That night, Satine mistakes Christian for the Duke and attempts to seduce him by dancing with him before retiring to her private chamber with him to discuss things privately. But eventually, Christian reveals his true identity. After the Duke interrupts them, Satine claims that the two of them and the Bohemians were rehearsing Spectacular Spectacular, aided by Zidler. Christian and the Bohemians improvise a story for the Duke about a beautiful Indian courtesan who falls in love with a poor sitar player who she mistook for an evil Maharaja. uh, Approving the story, the Duke agrees to invest, but only if Satine and the Moulin Rouge are turned over to him. Later Satine claims not to be in love with Christian, but he eventually wears down her resolve and they kiss. During the construction at the Moulin Rouge, Christian and Satine's love deepens while the Duke becomes frustrated with all the time he thinks Satine is spending with Christian working on the play. To calm him, Zidler arranges for Satine to spend the night with the Duke and angrily tells her to end their affair. She misses the the dinner when she falls unconscious, leading a doctor to diagnose a fatal case of consumption. She does try to end things by telling Christian that their relationship is endangering the production, but Christian writes a secret song to include in the show that affirms their unending passion passionate love. At the final rehearsal, Nini, a can-can dancer, jealous of Satine's popularity, hints to the Duke that the play represents the relationship between him, Christian, and Satine. Enraged, the duke demands that the show ends ends with the courtesan marrying the Maharaja instead of Christian's ending where she marries the sitar player. Satine promises to spend the night with him, after which they will decide on the ending. Ultimately, she fails to seduce the duke due to her feelings for Christian and the chocolat one of the cabaret dancers, saves her from the Duke's attempt to rape her. Christian decides that he and Satine should leave the show behind and run away to be together while the Duke vows to kill Christian. Huh. <sighs> <laughs> <sighs> so, obviously we can tell at this point there's an awful lot of well-laid layered drama Mm. to the story but um ultimately we get to opening night and then resolving the entire story with in the present the moulin rouge is in disrepair the duke and the bohemians are gone and Christian finishes his and Satine's story, ultimately declaring their love will live forever. So I tried to cover as much of the details as I could. With mm-hmm. There's an awful lot of detail involved in this storyline.
1: It's not easy to and summarize that one.
0: It, no, I, it, and it's definitely a mouthful because I'm not going to, but I do not have a penchant for foreign languages and especially foreign names. So there may have been several mispronunciations throughout the whole movie that I created while doing that. So if it offends anybody, I apologize. But I mean, truth be told, if you actually sit and look through that entire movie though, It's a very detailed, almost anybody in the world can find something in that movie that they can Mm. grasp onto, whether it's their love of music, um, if they like love stories, great. If you're more of a drama, you need the evil darkness of whatever you get that as well coming. Mm. Mean, there's layers of deceit and shenanigans throughout the entire movie as well. So, um, as a whole, thinking about it from the grand scheme of things, what would be your absolute favorite aspect of the entire movie?
1: I actually think it's the fact that once you've seen it, you haven't actually seen it. You have to watch it more than once. And every time you get a different version or a different understanding or another aspect. Mm -hmm. So it's because it's got so many layers, it's got so many different, um, different things that you can get from it. And it can depend what mood you're in when you watch it. And I love I love films like that, but I don't think it matters how many times you watch it. You're always going to get something new out of it.
0: Yeah. I. We've had a couple of those movies, those type of movies come up on the show the last month or so. And oh. um, this movie, not necessarily stylistically, but like what you were saying with the you can't just watch it one time the more you watch Mm -hmm. it the more you find this that you didn't notice last time or this or that or the other thing and um it harkens back to actually a lost episode that um one of my longtime guests and i recorded last month that we have Mm -hmm. to re-record because evidently i'm stupid and don't know how to download um Mm -hmm. Recordings and I lost the episode, so we will be recording that again this weekend and rediscussing the movie. But um, <laughs> last month we discussed The Big Lebowski, uh-huh. and that's another one of those movies that it may not necessarily be a super complex movie, but there's so much in it and so many different aspects, mm-hmm. and it's very layered. It- you can probably watch it 10 times and catch different things every time that you watch it
1: so i like i I love
0: movies like that Mm. yeah exactly where
1: I don't have to worry about
0: yeah (laughs) so i yeah if if you're if it's a movie that literally i can keep watching for 10 15 20 years and even after all that time still find something new or be reminded of something epically amazing like the movie or the music snippets that we were talking about a little while ago. Mm. You know, that it helps bring everything for back home again for yeah. probably as cliche as it may sound but you know when you go so long without watching a movie it's almost like it goes out in the world and leaves you and then you sit down and rewatch it again and something grabs you like the music and then it's coming home to you again and then you remember exactly each and every reason why you fell in love with this movie the first time you watched it and I mean I will fully admit, even 20 almost 22 years later, I'm not a huge Nicole Kidman fan. I wasn't a huge Nicole Kidman fan back in 20, 2021. I mean, this is rather shortly after she and her ex husband got divorced, mm. who shall remain nameless. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Nothing against Tom. No wait. Everything against Tom. I'm I'm just I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan. And this is also around the same time that she and Tom did that whatever that was, eyes wide shut Ooh. together, and mm. not in a good yeah. way. Mm. <laughs> so um um, yeah, I, I would say for me, probably the biggest thing, and I keep coming back to this one as well. Well, there's two things that I ultimately love about this movie. And I mean, the one we've already really talked about, and that's the music. The music in this movie is great, and I never would have ever imagined that my Obi-Wan Kenobi was (laughs) such an amazing freaking singer that he was.
1: I know, yeah. I think that's the thing. It's full of surprises, yeah.
0: I I kind of sort of figured... You know Nicole Kidman would be. I mean, because when I say I'm not a huge Nicole Kidman fan, I'm not saying she's not incredibly talented, hasn't had an incredible, incredibly successful career because she has mm. just most of the stuff she's done. I don't particularly care for, um, yeah. But yeah, Ewan McGregor's musical talent was definitely a huge surprise for me, and helped even solidify him even more in my heart as one of my favorite actors of all time. Hmm. So, um, the other part that really resonated with me is the fact that, um, Ewan McGregor's character in the movie is a writer, which, um, you had brought up earlier as well, Hmm. that you also are a writer Hmm. as well. So we'll just go ahead and make that a trifecta then because that is one of my aspiring jobs that I dream to become is ultimately one day published. And I don't know how ruthless and cutthroat it is on your side of the Atlantic to achieve that.
1: It depends if but, you know the right people.
0: So then it's kind of sort of like it is on my side of the Atlantic. Mm, yeah. But you know, it's who you know.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> Which is not necessarily a bad thing, but um, throughout the majority of my early adult life, when I was really starting to come into my own with my writing, I was I kind of had that thought in my head that it was some big, long, elaborate, you had to get an agent, you had to submit all your work to publishing houses and all of that. And, you know, good luck being in the 1% of the entire submissions that would ever get published. Well, I guess in a way... Coming full circle. Now you have ways now of self-publishing and all of that, which has helped yeah. people that aren't, you know, your Stephen King, your John Grisham, your Anne Rice, mm-hmm. people that have that kind of a well-established name in writing. So it's helped me realize that maybe I can work. My craft enough to one day take one of my pieces of work and self publish it and see what mm. I can do as a writer. And it's led me to continue to dream the ultimate dream.
1: That's amazing. I love that. And, I, you know, if you need anyone to help you with that, I know people I can put you in contact with. So there you go.
0: Well, I'm not going to lie. I have told (laughs) numerous people this before, but any and all help that is offered, Mm -hmm. I will gladly, Mm -hmm. openly and honestly take you up on all offers, because I mean, it's not like it's going to be some, you know, I finished, you know, type, type, type the end and then bam, just magically throw it out there and whatever. You still need to know people, and you need to know the inner workings of how to do this and that, and
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
0: all of that. So, so definitely yes. Any and all help is greatly oh. appreciated. But that definite aspect of Ewan's character being um, a writer really helped mm. grab my attention, and the fact that your introduction to him as a person in the movie. Is literally him sitting in his apartment, whatever you want to call it. Typewriter. Yeah. With his his typewriter in front of him, Mm. tears streaming down his cheeks. And he starts to write his and Satine's story. Mm. So it it's not like it's all rainbows and sunshine to open up the movie. And I mean, it doesn't take long before you get ultimately the big opening number mm. at Moulin Rouge. But at the same time, yeah. I tend to lean, As obviously you can tell from the fact that I'm a huge Tim Burton fan mm-hmm. towards the darker side. Mm. And to start a movie from that perspective where you literally have somebody in their darkest moments of life mm. just lost the love of their life and you get the, at that point you're very open and raw emotionally so you're coming to the world and meeting the world in a very fragile emotional dark state so i thought you and mcgregor did a very good job of mm. portraying that
1: mm. yeah definitely and
0: That was one of those things that helped, like I said in the intro, grab me by the ears and Mm. paintbrush me across the face with a plethora of slaps.
1: I think it is that relatable thing again, because if you're hooked by that, then you want to know what happens. So you're in, aren't you?
0: Yeah. Well, and I know enough about story creation that I know that there's definite layers of how you go through Hmm. Building the story from the intro, the introduction, um, all the exposition and stuff you have to go through to the climax of the story, and then the falling action, and then the resolution, and all that. But um, Baz kind of sort of jumps the ship a little bit. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to go too far past this to get to you know, the natural progression of storyline. But it's literally like he could have started the story with, you know, the exposition and introducing everything and slowly building towards that climax. But he takes a bit out of that rising action and moves it right there to the front of the story and just, like, grabs you and, again, right across the face with a slap, like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. We're going to go to dark places in in the storyline and, or this story. And here's the indication right here that this movie is going to be about love and loss. And you're not going to have to wait until an hour and a half into the movie to realize, Oh shit, Hmm. they fall apart. Or there's death and despair and all of that. So, Hmm. um, so, on the grand scheme of things, um, before we wrap up our episodes, we mm-hmm. like to give everybody a chance to big picture, share their thoughts on the movie that we're discussing, and then ultimately rate the movie out of... Um, we'll go with five stars for the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to step aside and let you have the platform to describe your thoughts and feelings on the movie and then ultimately rate the movie as well and then i will follow yours up with mine as well
1: cool so my review of this movie is it is a journey on a creative musical um, it kind of sets a stage for a kind of show that you've never seen before, and it really does draw you in. It is dramatic. It's poetic. It's just—I think of its time. It was groundbreaking. So I just feel like it's one of those must-see films, even if you just want to watch it to find out that you don't like it (laughs) i just i it's a it's just a story of well truth beauty freedom and love there you go (laughs) that's what it is um and i would absolutely give it five stars because it is one of my favorite films of all time so that's that's me um i just Yeah, I I think it's absolutely genius. I I really do.
0: I'm not going to lie. I 100% agree with everything that you said about the movie. It (laughs) is beautifully creative. It is incredibly groundbreaking at the time. other movies have come by come along since and tried to possibly mimic what this movie did 22 years ago and some may have met that standard many have not Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not my place to well it is my place to judge because i have a movie-based podcast where we review movies so (laughs) I am single handedly with my guests responsible to pull the puppet strings and recommend people to watch or not watch movies. So, but with that said, um, the performances in the movie from top to bottom, I don't recall anybody in the movie that I thought did a horrendously bad job. Um, Like I said, I was very, and I know it was very early in Ewan's career at the time too, but again, it bears repeating. The second time I'd ever seen Ewan McGregor on the screen. So I was still very new to him as a performer. Um, I'd seen obviously Nicole Kidman in a lot of stuff again, wasn't a huge fan, but I thought both of them delivered amazing performances in the Everybody in the, everybody in the, mm-hmm. the cast delivered amazing performances in my opinion. Um, the story is very well-written. It's well-directed. Um, I, don't recall before this movie seeing anything that Baz had directed before. I could be wrong, no. and I probably I, I am, don't, I don't but um, he's a great director, and he's got an incredibly, for lack of a creative or recycled cliché, but he's got an incredibly creative vision for what he wants to do as a director. And I appreciate that as well because directors like him or Tim Burton with their over-the-top creative visions can, as an actor, it makes it very easy to want to step into that world and play the game maybe not necessarily the greatest metaphor in the world, but in a lot of ways, as somebody who through school and my teenage years spent time on the stage acting, if you have a director that creates a world for you to step into and create, or you know partake in your craft Hmm. that makes it very easy and welcoming as as the actor to to be able to come in and step in and it's very comfortable Hmm. so if you as a director are somebody like Baz or Tim Burton or whoever the case may be and I'm not trying to say anything bad against Michael Bay or Steven Spielberg or people of that nature but I like the openly creative way that people, again, like Baz Burton and people like that create their world so that the actors that they cast can do the work that they need to do to help create a beautiful, epic masterpiece. Doesn't always boil out to be a masterpiece, Uh, but you know, it is what it is. So, um, For me, I will 100% agree with you again. This movie is definitely a five star movie. And if anybody has sat here for the last 45 minutes and listened to us talk about this movie and you haven't seen this movie, shame, shame, shame. <laughs> I mean, truth be told. <sighs> I don't necessarily feel like listening to this podcast before watching this movie is necessarily going to ruin no. the movie for you. I don't think you could, because ultimately, the story of this, the story that this movie encapsulates, is in a lot of ways very typical. I mean, you have two main characters; they fall in love, blah 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 everything progresses and then you have your ending it's not like it's some big huge horrific plot twist at the end Mm. so um yeah for me it's definitely gonna be five out of five and i will recommend anybody who hasn't seen this movie yet as soon as you're done listening to this episode which probably will be here in the next couple of minutes but if you haven't seen this movie, go find it somewhere, whether streaming, go buy it on DVD, go buy it on Blu-ray. I don't care how you do it. Just go do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even if you're not a huge fan of musical type cinema, there, you will find something in this movie that you can get grasp onto as a movie fan and truth be told we're all in some way shape or form movie fans and some maybe more than others but movies are a huge part of all of our lives I love when somebody introduces themselves to me and well I'm not a movie fan I'm like so you've never seen a movie in your entire life well no I've seen this and I like that and I like this and I like that and it's like so you're a movie fan. Oh, well, I guess I can kind of sort of see where you're coming from by saying, I'm like, exactly. You may not necessarily be an addict like myself, for <laughs> lack of a better metaphor, but everybody in some way, shape or form is a movie fan. Just you might only be 5% of your life is encapsulated in the cinema, or you may be like your, myself where – of your life is encapsulated in the cinema and you have a podcast that reviews movies and you talk to countless people from around the world about how much you love movies. So um, with that said, I think unless there's something else out of the blue that you would like to grasp onto from the movie, I don't no, want the, to keep you too yeah, late sure. in the late afternoon the or the
1: evening. I would like to say is that actually when I went to see the show of it, which was last year, I was gobsmacked to find out. Bearing in mind we just talked about the songs, they actually introduced 77 tracks into the stage show. And I can't explain to you how they did oh, that wow. because it was incredible. It was like you've never... you. I just... I haven't got words for it. So that's like another level of what the hell. (laughs) It just like it really was. So I just wanted to kind of mention because it was just super cool. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah, to get to see this story play out on stage Mm. in London.
1: That was a bucket
0: list. Wasn't it? Yeah, I was going to say. Didn't you say that that was where you saw it at was on stage in London? In
1: London, yeah. It was in, when it we were was, talking it was about, a about it. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, I'm going to do that. And that is going to be one of those things that I will always be able to say, you know, that moment. Oh, God. Just watch, watching your favorite film on stage and also it being, I wouldn't say better than the film, but like, you know, you don't want it to be spoiled. And I was there going, oh, I just can't believe this is happening. It was amazing, amazing. Yeah, it was just brilliant.
0: Yeah. I would have loved to have seen this movie on stage, especially deep in the heart of London. Hmm. Another one of my international bucket list things to do probably would be to one day get to see a Shakespearean play
1: Mm -hmm.
0: on stage again in London because that's where all of that type of um, theater work originated. And obviously you can't go and I don't, as far as I know anyway, you can't go and see anything at the Globe per se. Anymore, But just to be in London and see something Shakespearean mm, yeah. portrayed on stage would be mind-blowing. Yeah. So um, before we get out of here, as always, I want to obviously pay tribute to and thank all the listeners for being here each and every week. You guys, I know I say this every week, and I can't repeat it enough because there have been times throughout the last, well, we're almost at the second anniversary of the show, but there's times that i felt like I didn't want to continue on doing this, but having the loyal fans that we have that have been here each and every week, whether you like the movie that we're discussing or not, i love and appreciate each and every one of you guys you guys are all amazingly awesome and you guys well all the listeners as a whole but those ones that have been here from day one and have never given up on myself and amanda we appreciate and love you guys so much and you guys are the ones that we do these episodes for every week and truth be told it is this show is a labor of love. There is a lot of work involved to it, but it's a labor that we love to welcome into our lives because you guys all are amazing and we appreciate it. Um, Before I go though, really quickly, I actually kind of sort of passed over this opportunity in the introduction, but I wanted to give, our guest, a chance to introduce herself at the end of the episode, obviously, because I completely forgot my manners, but I (laughs) wanted to give Jacqueline a chance to introduce herself to the listeners so that everybody gets a better picture as to who she is as a person as well. So again, for the last time in the episode, the floor is yours, Madame.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, My name is Jacqueline Kent. I'm, if you hadn't guessed, based in England. Um, I'm actually a women's well-being um, coach and published author and I also manage uh, something called a tuneless choir where we sing like no one is listening so um, I like to help people find ways to be happy and that's me
0: <laughs> that <coughs> I'm not gonna lie sounds like a very fulfilling Mm -hmm. life that you're leading on the other side of the Atlantic. Uh And I will honestly say this, I am glad that we connected and met over the need a guest Facebook group Mm -hmm. site because I really started in the last month or so getting into the idea that I don't like, Not that I don't appreciate having regular guests on each and every week. Again, I open my mouth and insert my foot rather well. Um, I love everybody who's ever been on the show. I love you guys to death. But it's always nice to have moments where you can bring in somebody new that hasn't been on the show before. And when you wanted to come on and you recommended this movie, it was like, Mm -hmm. Yep, needs to happen. (laughs) I really want to do this. And I enjoyed this episode so much with you that I definitely would like to let you know. I would love to stay in touch and as well. If there is ever another movie that ever pops into your head that you would like to discuss, I have a few ideas. Absolutely more than
1: welcome. Okay. Well then on that
0: note we can we can stay in touch. We can discuss some of the other things you've got yeah, mewling about in that brain of yours and we can get definitely get you back on the show. Hopefully next time everybody's schedule will be open up to the idea and we can get you back in here and Amanda will be with us as well. She just got home literally like two days ago from being on a trip with her husband. So, that's why you got just me and not both of us so
1: no worries thank you definitely
0: yes i am glad we met each other i am glad Mm -hmm. this is hopefully the beginning of a great friendship through the podcast Mm -hmm. and with that said um this episode will be dropping on wednesday morning Mm -hmm. my time oh (laughs) probably late late morning your time we yeah i think there's like eight hours difference between us it, um, yeah. when i post when i post the episode i will go ahead and send you the link as well so that if you want to you can share it with anybody that you want to share it with as well and we will go from there um That's other than that coming up I just wanted to remind everybody, we are finishing up our greatest movie franchise tournament as well. And we are two two weeks from, three weeks from today, we are at our two-year anniversary episode, which we still haven't figured out what we're doing yet. So Amanda and I will get on that and get it figured out for you because we have to get that pre-recorded as well. So Movie franchises, anniversaries, we've got rom-coms coming up in February and as well March at the recommendation of Mr. DeAndre Robinson, host of the Masturbators Network. We are going to do Fuck You Rotten Tomatoes, We Still Love These Movies Month. (laughs) So with that said, that's a little bit of what's coming up in the next couple of months. But with that said, um, again, thank you, Jacqueline, for being here. I had a lot of fun. It was amazing. And for the rest of you guys who are listening to me ramble, 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 ha, 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 because you all know that's what I do. But I hope you guys all come back for an evening at the movies. Have a good weekend, guys.